Good morning and welcome to an episode of Code Concepts with myself, Rachel Patterson, and Pete Roquet. Uh, this is a glorious Friday morning, April 15th now, 2022. I can't believe we're already into April of the month, or of the year, rather. Um, as always, you know, Pete and I are here to bring you some amazing industry professionals who have a wealth of knowledge that we just enjoy listening to, learning about, and absorbing. Um, so with that, today we have an awesome special guest, uh, Mr. Benjamin Bredmore, who is the town manager and chief building official for the town of Holden, Maine. So with me, I get to say first and foremost, I had the pleasure of meeting Mr. Bredmore um, at the ABM this last year, right, Mr. Bredmore? That, I, I think I remember it, yeah. Um, <laughs> a a whirlwind. Of a, bit of a whirlwind of a week, but uh, yes, no, I, I enjoyed that, and I appreciate your kind words introduced me this morning. <laughs> yeah, no, it was special. You know, uh, Mr. Bredmore, Benjamin Bredmore, was elected to the ICC board, which was an honoring experience to be a part of that. And we'll certainly talk about that a little bit more here in our show, but um, Ben was nominated from the floor, so seeing how that works out, and again, we'll let him speak to that a little bit. Um, it's powerful, it's special, and it's amazing, and we're just excited to have you here today. So, Ben, um, we'll do a little bit more, you know, haze and highs and whatnot, but tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, thank you. Um, again, Ben Bredmore. Uh, I live in the town of Holden, Maine, which I am fortunate enough to serve as a town manager, chief building official. Um, that's my short title. Uh, the long version includes uh, plumbing inspector, economic development director, planner, uh, fair hearing officer, uh, constable. Um, uh, I, I have been a pig catcher in town before. Um, that, that, I had that to the resume. Um, even a driving instructor now for a highway department. Now that there's new federal regulations out there, I now have that title. So it's, um, it's awfully nice that in small town Maine, we can still do a one-stop shop and you go down to the corner store and grab a cup of coffee and everybody knows your name whether that's good or bad at least they know your name. <laughs> that's yeah. wonderful that's a vast in all of your experience so what else can you add to that list well the, the interesting thing is um my wife and i kind of have a standing deal that if we need groceries i i don't have to go get them because it takes me about four hours at the grocery store because I'll get, well, geez, you know, I really want to put that shed on my property. Well, how far off this property line do I have to be? Or, you know, you haven't fixed that pothole over on the Fisher Road yet. Or, um, at, perfect example, we even went kayaking during COVID because that was the cool thing to get outside and enjoy yourselves. We're probably 100 feet off of shore in town. And one of the local residents yelling at me from the shoreline, hey, 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 my neighbor said I can't have my, sh my wood shed close to 100 feet. I'm like, She's like, really? We're, we're literally in the middle of the water. And somebody, I said, it's, so I screamed across the water. Yes, you can't be f close to 100 feet. Yes, you need a permit. And we're open on Monday. Have a great weekend. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> you almost have to put a mask on like a Tyvek suit. Whenever I, you that's the half the reason I grew the beard. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so, so you're basically, you know, the old school, uh, old school TV shows where like, you wear the different hat, like, hey. So, yes. Yeah, I'll be honest. Um, I did get a nameplate um, made when I got this job. Uh, on one side, it does say code official. You flip it, and the other side, it says town manager because Andy Griffith uh, had the Justice of the Peace yes. uh, uh, sheriff the whole bit. And I have had to use it once where a gentleman was unsatisfied with my answer as a code official and wished to speak to my boss. And I flipped it. That is well, how did awesome. that one turn out? <laughs> Thankfully, he had a good sense of humor. <laughs> That is awesome. That but, is awesome. You know, that's that's the benefit of uh, having a code background. The answer is what the answer is. That Black is and awesome. light. <laughs> so how does uh, how does one become the town manager in your town? I know we're going to talk about you being a building official, oh, yeah. but how does one become the town manager? And you're such a young guy. So how does one become I, a town manager at your age? It is kind of fun that... Um, I'm the young guy in a lot of rooms in the cold, cold world, but I'm also the young guy in a lot of rooms in the town manager world, too. I was actually the youngest town manager for quite a few years, and man, almost six, until someone I went to college with beat me by a month, which I thanked <laughs> her for that. Um, I actually went to uh, school at uh, University of Maine in Orono. I started off my freshman year in elementary education because I thought that would be a great idea. Then I woke up sophomore year, like most folks do, and said, what am I doing? <laughs> And uh, to be entirely honest, and this is a true story, you can ask my mother because it still drives her nuts. Um, I knew I wanted to get out of elementary ed. There was a couple of different options in University of Maine. I know I wanted to stay in Maine because I got 
as we say, I wasn't born here, but I got here as fast as I could. Um, so the idea was either public administration or forestry. And uh, I have a 1921 silver dollar. Uh, public administration was heads and forestry was tails. And I flipped the coin. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, she was 10, so 12 years later, here I am. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we well, discussed a little bit before we got on about, you know, even the youngest one in the room here today. So it's it's quite mm -hmm. impressive all of the the things that you've accomplished, Ben. I uh, I've been accused of grass not growing under my boots. And I, I appreciate that compliment. So I, I try to keep it true every day as much as I can. <laughs> That's awesome. So now when when you first started in the uh, public administration, uh, what, what was your first role? Was it, I mean, were you a clerk? Were you a, you know, building inspector? What was it? So um, when I was going through the public administration program at Orno, um, our junior, senior year, we were required to do an internship. And I was very fortunate. Uh, a very, very good friend of mine actually let me rent a room from him. Uh, pretty much paying what you can, when you can, if you can. Because being a poor college student in a different state, that didn't work so well. Uh, but I was, I got a... Uh, internship with the city of Brewer, Maine, where I basically shadowed the assistant and, and city manager for about 15 weeks. And I got to go into, you know, the finance department, the highway department, the planning department. Ironically, the only one I couldn't shadow was the code department <laughs> because he was so busy running ragged, he didn't have time. Wow. Um, that worked out great. I, I really enjoyed it. It gave me a flavor for what I wanted to take on uh, in my role for a career. Um, however, graduating in 2010 was not a great time to try to find a job. Um, it was, you know, I'd send out probably 10 to 12 resumes a day throughout the country, everything else. I figured, you know, if I got to move, I have to move, but I'd really like to stay in Maine. And uh, one day I got a phone call from my former uh, gentleman I shadowed at the city of Brewer and said, hey, we have a 15-week opening. A woman in the code enforcement department is a permit tech is taking maternity leave. Are you interested in filling in? I said, I'll wash windows. I don't care. I want a job. Um, so no no real background in code before, but I said, I can, I can do office work. I proved that. So they gave me the opportunity. Um, I, I learned a lot in a short amount of time. It was also at the same time the state of Maine was adopting the first state building code. So everybody kind of started on the same level. I was learning alongside a lot of the folks that were, but at the same time, um, in part of that transition, they brought on another individual as well who became my mentor, Stuart Brooks. Um, when I started, I was 22, Stu was 66. Wow. And he's taught me quite a bit over the time. Uh, when I got into Brewer a little later, about know, six, eight months, I think, after I was the uh, after the 15 weeks, uh, Tina, wonderful woman, decided to be a stay-at-home mom. I was able to acquire the job full-time, which is great, because now I could set down roots, enjoy myself, and build a career. But uh, my boss, who had a degree in electrical engineering, uh, who was there for about four or five months longer than I was, said, uh, yeah, I, th I think I'm going to go work for Poland Spring Water and be an electrical engineer again. So I said, oh, great. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh, my boss at the time pretty much said, well, it's you. I said, well, it's me until you find somebody better. Um, and with a caveat that I get to keep my mentor, Stu, as my assistant at least two to three days a week. And Stu was willing to work two days a week. So I was able to learn side by side with him, who he had started 15 different code offices in the state of Maine. He'd done it since 1989, I think, since we actually adopted the program in the state. Uh, learned a lot became really good friends he actually ended up selling me two houses and officiating my wedding so um really great mentor <laughs> wow that's pretty incredible how you meet somebody and not only do they you know make a difference in your professional life they make a difference in your personal life as well they really do and even uh yesterday i mean Stu was fortunate enough he retired finally at age 75 this year um to kind of to speed up because he hasn't slowed down any but uh, yesterday, the uh, Maine State Legislature recognized the Maine Building Officials and Inspectors Association to uh, on their 50th anniversary this year. It's coming up next month. So Stu, although retired, we still got him down there. We got some great time at the, at the State House, some good photos together and things. And he's got we both have some great memories for it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so Ben, you know, I, I know a lot of our viewers know what ICC is and what they do and what they promote, but I don't know if a lot of people know about the Emerging Leadership Program. 
the Emerging Leadership Council program that they do um, offer. I mean, it's a it's an incredible program that now I get to be a part of. Yes. Um, and until I met you and until I met all the other board shadows and individuals at the ABM, um, I didn't even know that this existed, even with having information and, you know, having the website down and, and you know, devouring it. It's still not necessarily something that was front and center. So how did you hear about the Emerging Leadership Council and get on it and get going with all that? So that, that, that's a story I, I do love to tell. So thanks for asking about that one. Cause I was going to bring it up either way. Um, I was pretty fortunate. Um, again, I, a lot of goes back to my mentor, Stu, for this reason. Um, we'd have a session every week, uh, every month over another town, a group of code officers get together. We were having a trouble finding training. So we finally put our heads together and said, listen, what's it take to do our own training? We reached out. Carla Higgs was awesome. She really helped us get our, our northern Maine chapter started so we could get a chapter benefit day to get some of that ball rolling. And uh, we started the northern Maine chapter. So that was the same year that they were doing the northeast uh, regional tour with the ICC. So we got to do a, I, I always call it a dog and pony show because that's what it is. But it's a great meet and greet and opportunity to shake hands and learn from people and, and make acquaintances and things like that. And that kind of facilitated the next step. Uh, I won't forget it. One day I was out, it was a Friday afternoon. The highway department only works four days a week in the summer. And uh, it's a two hour call out to fill a pothole. Or it's me getting out of the office for about 45 minutes to an hour filling a pothole. So I went out and filled the pothole and my uh, chapter president at the time, Paul Demers, had uh, Rob Drexler sitting ICC board of director at the time on the phone. I said, hey, how'd you like to come to Kansas City? I said, or I said, yeah, uh, sure. Well, can I call you back in like 20 minutes? I got to finish filling a pothole. Goes, why, why are you filling a pothole? You're, you're a code officer. I said, yeah, that's one hat. Sure. So was able to call him back 20 minutes later. Um, I was fortunate enough to be one of the first board shadows and sit on what eventually ended up being the advisory council to craft the ELMC with some great folks like Elizabeth Arrington, Rebecca Brown, and Mike Tomaselli, Andre, of course, who you guys spoke with about a month or so ago. Um, really made some great friends and really was very humbled to be part of crafting what the ELMC is today. And I'm really anxious to see where they can take it because I've already heard some ideas they have and I'm really excited for it. But that was really my segue into it and the opportunity to learn from my peers across the country, new network, new resources, and help promote that next that next generation because we all know that that cliff is coming and it's a lot closer than it used to be. So. Thankfully, there's some newer, fresher faces, less gray in the room, although I am getting grayer by the day. So, <laughs> so how well, is that board made up? I'm sorry, Pete. I'm yeah. just so, I have so many questions about all of the emerging leaders. So it's something I'm involved in and super excited about too. So bear with me, Ben and Pete. Oh, by all means. No, I, this is a topic I love talking about. <laughs> Good. So how is that um, made up? Like how is the, the program made up? What is the ultimate goal aside from training? Um, are there committees? You know, how essentially can an average everyday individual get involved with this program? So one of the things that I love is kind of resetting that misconcept that you have to be under 35 or less than 10 years. That's only to sit on the governing committee. And it's an either or, and they're working on kind of refining that to open it up a little bit because we have some really great folks that would love to participate. And we don't want to, they don't want to, I mean, I'm still technically part of, but um, they don't want to close the door on anybody. It wants to right. be inclusive. It wants to be, you know, opportunity to give back. Right. So basically during my time on the board, what we tried to look at was a diverse makeup geographically, because um, that was the biggest way we felt we could make an impact. Um, you know, a guy from Northern Maine uh, being on a, a board uh, where you know we have sixty some thousand members and everything else is not what most folks expect. But I can, I feel I can offer that perspective of a small town jurisdiction. Uh, mm -hmm. But we also have major jurisdiction folks. I mean, when we first started. There was there was me. There was Jesse Deanda from you know California. Um, John Hudgens from now who's he in, he's in um, Florida. We go back and forth a lot about Tampa Bay and stealing Tom Brady, but I won't bring that up too much because that'll be the rest of the conversation. But um, you know, it just it was kind of keeping that geographical difference because we all have different things we encounter in our backyards, and we have different views because of where we come from. So it really helped it evolve. But the biggest thing is anybody can participate. ELMC needs young folks just as much as mentors and those that are seasoned because we don't 
want to lose that knowledge. I mean, the biggest thing we all face in our day-to-day lives is institutional knowledge. And somebody who's worked for municipality or jurisdiction for 40 years, they're great. But when they retire, so much goes with them that you can't put a price tag on. Um, you have, we have books, we have references, we have codes that are great, but having that knowledge base is, is invaluable. Yeah, absolutely. So what I'm hearing is everyone needs to get online, anyone under 35 and with 10 years or, or less, right? Mm-hmm. Years of experience in the field. Um, and it's an application process. It's pretty that's simple good. and easy. And that's just to serve on the governing committee. Right. Anybody can join ELMC and we strongly encourage it because it, you know, many hands make light work. Yes. <laughs> That's true. And it's such a good group of individuals. You know, every meeting is very uplifting and lighthearted. Um, I think it's, you know, everybody's in the same space. You you want to make the world better. You want to make the world safer. So it's truly just a good place to be um, when you have that mindset. So thanks for sharing a little bit about that. Yeah, Sorry, Pete, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. And so, you know, what, you know, I, I mean, you covered having to go to Kansas City and stuff. So what are some of what are the main points that you feel that, you know, um, the Emerging Leaders Council help you prepare for the actual ICC board? Oh, I mean, that that's, I if I hadn't had that exposure, I wouldn't have been near brave enough to dip a toe into this pond. Um, you know, one thing I'll say about, it's not just the board of directors of ICC or ELMC or building membership or fire science or any of the boards and committees. It's, walking into ICC my first time in Kansas City, I'm coming, you know, I've been a code officer at that point for five, five or six years. Um, you know, we do it in Maine. There's a ton of amendments. I don't know. I didn't know the code. I still, if anybody says they know the code cover to cover, I'd challenge that a little bit. <laughs> but I'm walking into a room of the professionals that have done this for careers. And these are the folks. I'm, I'm, it was pretty intimidating walking into that room. But it's amazing how quickly that disappeared. Mm-hmm. The group of folks are so inviting, so want to see everyone succeed, work together. I have a little added from my mentor. Everybody works together for the better part of the whole. Yeah. And that's what I see ICC as. I mean, we're looking to build better for the future to provide the best level of codes in the world mm-hmm. that can provide a safer, better, more sustainable tomorrow. And, you know, bringing on the next generations, a way we do that, but we have to do that today too. And that's, that's why, that's one of the reasons I did what I did running for the board. Cause I think I can be part of that. I think it can offer a generational perspective yeah. and, I'm happy to be able to serve. I'm at the right time in my career and and my personal life that I have support to do that. I have a very, very good jurisdiction at home. It does kind of help. My council chair is a code official two towns over. So he gets it. (laughs) He is trying to be my board shadow this year to Kentucky. I'm not sure there's a conflict of interest there, but we'll see. That's awesome. (laughs) That's great. No, it's it's great to hear all this, uh, all this stuff because you know, you know what? Um, Let's go back to you know you becoming a code official. I mean, because you eventually became a building official. So how how does that journey you know how did that journey start from going from the code compliance over over to like the actual you know building inspection and building official and you know those kind of things. Absolutely. So I, as I said, I mean I started off as a, as a glorified permit tech, which I say glorified because we did zoning, we did permits, we did uh, loose dog complaints, all sorts of stuff for my. And my favorite one we always had, we called the lawn police because in the municipality I worked and we did have property maintenance, which is uh, a unique touching point in some towns in Maine. Because um, in most towns in Maine, you can't see your own neighbors. So, but uh, I started off as the permit tech. Uh, I We do a lot of cross training in everything we do. Everything we do, we do cross training. So we have to, I'll get to that, Jack. Don't worry. I'm sorry, that was funny, Jack. <laughs> When we get to that 2021 COVID period, I'll bring up the beard. But um, the uh, now being a permit tech, cross training, um, he said, we'll pay for your licensing. Um, Maine is a little different. They do not recognize the ICC licensing. Mm. I'm still pushing for that. I pushed for that since day one. Thankfully, after nine years, we finally have a state building official. Hopefully, that's going to you know segue in that direction. But um, we do have 14 different areas of discipline that state will test you on for building insulation, radon, ventilation, electrical, plumbing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, as well as health officer, because most code officers actually serve as health officials as well in the state of Maine. Wow. So actually a little side note in the health officer's manual, um, when you have a septic issue, you call the LPI 
and nine times out of ten or more you just call yourself so <laughs> but, um, that kind of evolved um, having my background public administration and supervisory role um, most of my career for some reason uh, regardless of what I've done I've ended up in that kind of supervisory role um, one of the best second I'll say the second best job I ever had besides being a code official of course uh, when I worked at university I drove the Zamboni Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And after my first six weeks, they threw me keys to the uh, multi-million dollar arena and said, yeah, you're taking the night shift. Good luck. <laughs> so it was a supervisor over students at the time, but that came with its own challenges and learning experience. And now I oversee a staff of probably about 45 uh, for the municipality and a budget of roughly nine million, including schools, I think. So, wow. yeah. So that kind of evolved. and opportunity presented itself. I really enjoyed my time in Brewer. I was there for four and a half years. Um, it just so happened that uh, the code official of the town of Holden, where I resided, uh, resigned. He went to a, a bigger community. They were looking for somebody to help out. I'd been the backup for four years at that point. So through the summertime, I helped them get their permits and inspections squared away some weekends and late nights. But um, unfortunately, the town manager at the time also became sick and ended up resigning. So in an effort to try to save a couple of bucks, they they actually advertised for a town manager slash code official. And I can tell you in the entire state of, entire state of 407, 410, 417 municipalities, there are two of us. Wow. <laughs> so it's a it's a unique bill, but uh, it's, it's definitely a challenge. I enjoy it quite a bit. Anything from a septic inspection this morning at six to town paving bids at nine to great interviews at noon, my time, to um, insulation inspection this afternoon, and then we'll see what the rest of the day brings. So it's it definitely breaks up the monotony. I'm not always doing plans review, but I'm not always doing personnel issues, and it, it gives a, a well-rounded approach, I like to think. so. Yeah, that's, that, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> now, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, being the in my experience, you don't see many uh, building officials that eventually become town managers. Normally, they stop at yeah. like a director, or, and that's it. Now, having to deal hard. with the uh, with the uh, politics of you know the building code and being a town manager, how, how's that? How's that unique for you? I mean, you know, me being in in government for a long time and seeing how everything plays out. How does it play out for you being a town manager and a CBO? So I, I will say most CEOs don't become town managers because it's too bright for it. They're way yes. too smart to do this. Um, I, I'll, I'll answer that by answering another question at the same time. It's a population of 3,200 in my jurisdiction. Um, we do butt up against a couple of things now and then. But when somebody brings us a concern uh, with their project, their build, their design, we try to give the opportunity to say, okay, you, we know you can't do this, because and here's X, Y, and Z, Y. Code and commentary, bread and butter. Gives me the backup rationale of why I can't let you do what you so badly want to do. However, we try to be creative, and we try to say, have you thought about X, Y, or Z instead of this? Here's some opportunities. Here's what would meet the, the letter of the code, letter of the intent, whether that be building code or zoning. Um, being the economic development director, we have to get creative sometimes on, you know, we got tractor supply coming to town, largest retailer in the whole town, tractor supply. But um, how do we make that work? I mean, there's some folks that came out to the public meetings and like, well, gee, this is going to, you know, this destroy the character of the town. You know, those same people are still going to tractor supply every Sunday and picking up feed. So <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just, it's just being part of the community. Um, you know, I, I, I attend the school board meetings uh, most of the time. Um, we take part, help out the local churches and things. It's just, um, you know, we had mentioned Mayberry earlier. That's as close as we can try to get because it's a nice, quiet little town. Yeah. That being said, we do a full-time PD, full-time fire and everything else, and they do love having fun and pulling people over on the main drag. We are a town of 3,200 people and 36 square miles, but we are what we call the gateway to Bar Harbor and Acadia National Park. So though we have 3,200 people, almost 40 plus thousand cars a day in the summer go by my front door of the office. Thankfully, I don't live on 1A. But um, yeah, we see everything and anything. Yeah, so you're just like a little supernova of energy all over the place, you know? And, it, and it's funny because, you know, being like not only on the ICC board of directors where you're very present, uh, at your own time, you have to be very present. 
you know, and, you know just you know, even making an appearance here. I mean, we're taking up a, an hour of your time's time. Right? Hey, this is <laughs> but, my but you know, I think it's important to um, note that uh, you know the generation that we're kind of focusing on now is using social media. Like the emergent leaders use social media a lot, oh, yeah. which ICC is starting to use it as, as much as uh, the emergent leaders. But I think that kind of gets lost sometimes. It's that messaging, you know, I mean, sometimes we, we sound like a, you know, like a broken record or cassette or whatever, you know, we just what's, a, what's a cassette? <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, you know, it's funny because, you know, I have kids and my kids don't know what a cassette is. Yeah. You know, it's, it's even a CD. They're like, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. It's just something that's a, that you lost under the seat of the truck and got scratched and you can never listen to again. But, well, you know, I'm going to show you something real quick. Um, from my code enforcement days home. I can only imagine what this is gonna be. <laughs> Our police department still has one of those. We can't buy film for it anymore. But, uh... <laughs> it's not in your historical museum cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will say, you know, you mentioned the social media piece. We did a, a round table discussion. I don't remember which, which ABM or mid-year, well, it was an ABM, but I don't remember which one it was, to be honest, because that wasn't the focal point. The focal point was we did this round table with folks, and it was just quick little two, three, four-minute interviews. And one of the comments I'll never forget was it was one of the, um, one of the interviewee's grandmothers and said, this is so cool, I didn't actually know what my granddaughter did. And if we can hit folks on that level... That's just really cool because that's raising the profile. It's raising the education. I mean, how many times have we all encounter folks that, you know, they've never heard of a code official before. Like, wait, what do you do? Like, I need a permit to do what? No, I'm just going to put my shit where I want. <laughs> yeah. So being able to raise that profile is huge. Absolutely. No, I no, I 100% agree. I, I think, um, you know, when we, when we feature, you know, some of these board of directors because we want to give you ICC a voice. Mm -hmm. Say, hey, this is who your representatives are. They're coming mm -hmm. on the show. They're talking about things like how did how did they get there? If if you know if you know uh, Ben can do it, I can do it. You know anybody can saying, trust like, me. If I can do it, step up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and even even like you know, listening to some of these folks that have all these uh, certifications and stuff. You know, a lot of them, it, it took some work. Some of them just kind of came easy. But you know, we like to share these stories because we all, you know. A lot of us didn't grow up saying, "Hey, I want to be a code official or be a town manager when I grow up." You know, I never thought I wanted to be a you know a consultant. <laughs> so the uh, funny story with that: every year uh, we have the reading day over the elementary school, and uh, this will be my sixth year doing it. I think I always try to bring a, a building-related book uh, or you know municipal, you know junior achievement-related book, and everybody goes, "Who knows what a town manager is?" And their faces are all blank. Who knows what a code officer is? And they're like, huh? Who likes fire fire guys? Oh, yeah, they have hats and red trucks, and they bring us lunch boxes. And, yeah, I, say, I work with them. <laughs> <laughs> I work with them. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. That, that's oh. too funny. But, you know, and, and it's it goes back to some of the things that, um, you know, Rachel and I are working on. We're working on, like, uh, you know, educating kids because, you know, like, growing, uh, growing up, you know, the police had McGruff. And yep. the fire department had Smokey the Bear. We have nobody, you know. You know, and, and sorry, we're we, have, we have who, Pete? We have nobody. No, well, not right, not yet, you know. <laughs> but um, so we're working on, on a couple projects to kind of outreach to kids, just to kind of give them that sprinkle of, you know, what we're here to make your building safe and for you to live in a clean town. And that's Absolutely. for us to explain it to a five-year-old. To us, that's you know, that makes sense to them, you know, because yeah. you ask most code officers, hey, what do you do for a living? They'll, they'll spot off. Well, you know, I do receiverships and I do condemnations. I'm like, and you know, when people ask me, what do I do for a living? I tell people to cut their grass. Yep. They're like, wow, Long you get it really well. Well, I'm, yep. I do it really well. Yep. <laughs> and and that's, that's a big thing. I mean, especially in today's world with kids. I mean, I know, you know, I've been to these schools and I've done some of the readings and stuff and kids today can do more on my phone than I can. And that scares me. Because when I was their age, I was more worried about, you know, finding a cool stick outside. Mm -hmm. um, and they they just absorb it so much better. So I actually, I, I joke about, you know, I work with the fire guys, but some of the kids, they understand. We bring materials over for, you know, fire safety and life safety and things like that. They actually bring it home. I've had parents bring their kids in 
that they filled out the worksheets they gave them. They just wanted to see, you know, well, how, how, do, how, do, you, how do you think we did? And that's the most rewarding piece when the parent connects with the kid, the kid understands some life safety, and that is going to be, that's not the kid getting arrested, <laughs> to put it very bluntly. Sure. Um, that's the kid that gets ingrained in their community, understands that, you know, folks are here to help. They see that, you know, they see police officers, they see the firefighters, and, you know, that's, that's a standard. And that's great that we can be that standard if somebody wants to strive to be. And the biggest thing is just not letting them down. Mm-hmm. You know, Ben, one of my favorite sayings, and I, I know it's probably terrible, but I say, you know, if common sense were common, everyone would have it. Um, you know, and yeah. I think that's our job to bring that common sense to our next generation. Um, because again, if it were common, we would all have it and we just don't. It's something that a, has to be taught. We have a very similar saying up here. If common sense were common, we only have a job. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah it's, it's our job to be there. So, you know, getting into these environments, like you said, with the schools and, you know, Pete's talked to Miss Shirley um, Ellis and in regard to her coming and doing the same thing, you know, reading a book and then building a structure um, that these kids can take home to show I their know. parents. Yeah. That's so magical because they are, they're putting that life safety, you know, um, information on with a, an, a project that they got to build, you know. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Thanks, Cash. Uh, okay, yeah, so you can see all the all the comments. Quick yeah. shout out to Mr. Matt Cozyline who uh, who said, "Hey, Code Enforcement has me." <laughs> Beautiful, I love it. So, but uh, you know, when it comes down to uh, you know some of these uh, these trainings, because I look at how do we make this more interactive or make it fun for for these junior high kids? Because you know, I have a I have a, a six-year-old that I take on, you know, little walks with me, and the little six-year-old notices code violations, and you know, we make TikToks out of them. My twelve-year-old's not interested in any of it, you know. He just, he's always in like, hey, isn't that like against the code? I'm like, everything's against the code. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but the way you explain it to people, because I have had the same experience in a Hispanic community. I'm like, hey, who knows what a code enforcement is? nobody knows what it is and then i go who knows what the city is hey the city's gonna come after you everybody raises their hand i go hey that's me <laughs> we're, the, we're the government we're here to help we're the government we're here to help yeah there you go yeah that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> no it, it is it is entertaining because you know i even going out to dinner with family and things i mean it, i'm sure i'm not the only one on this call or listening in that's been standing at longhorn or olive garden and you're waiting for your table and there's an emergency light above your head and you hit the button you can't help it Unfortunately, I'd say 60-80% of the time, that light's out. <laughs> but it's real fun when your brother-in-law starts doing it, too, and he's a mechanic. That's funny. <laughs> well, you know, you get to a point in your career where people don't want to invite you to their house because of all their illegal alterations. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't care. I don't, I'm off the clock. You know, we uh, – so funny. Yeah, my wife and I, uh, before we were married, we actually bought a house together, which – I'm pretty impressed I ended up getting married after that. Um, real estate agents are a lot of fun when they say there's three or four bedrooms. And I said, no, there's no egress windows out of that. Sorry. You can have a closet all you want. Um, you know, the important things were found, though. We found a, the right spot for the Christmas tree. I have a garage. Um, that was all I really cared about. Everything else is fine. <laughs> but uh, it can be a painful process. So. Let me see. So we have a comment. Guilty and Disneyland was no fun for my kids and I. <laughs> oh, yeah. It happens. It's not. <laughs> right, we start looking at everything. We're like, oh, man, look at that. So oh, just um, getting yeah. in last night, you know, we had, I, w- I was pulling into the hotel and there's a slew of water just coming from the actual hotel. Later, you, you see that it's coming from the swimming pool. Hazardous material listed on the door. Door. It's hard to keep that stuff. That's just minor. <laughs> just minor. Violationized. They never go away. They, they don't. And it's amazing how many town offices I go into, or even yesterday at the state house looking at fall protection in a historic building. And I'm like, mm. you know, you stand around the rotunda on the second floor and all, all the uh, ballast. I mean, you put your fist through it and I go, hmm, that's not four inches, but okay. <laughs> Can't imagine so, that at Disneyland, Jack. <laughs> so, Ben, so one of the things that, you know, we got to, well, it was my first time at ABM in uh, Pennsylvania this last year. And, you know, uh, 
I got to see, you know, the election officer, especially you, you know, I've never seen like, you know, people line up and say, Hey, I support this guy or so, you know, which was pretty, uh, pretty impressive. So, you know, let's go back to, you know, what made you sit, decide like, you know what, maybe I belong on this board of directors. Maybe I want to be on there. What, what kind of, what kind of uh, mindset did you have when you say, Hey, this is something I think it's the right time for me to do. Uh, because there's people that run and don't get elected and there's people that, you know, that want to run, but never take that, you know, never take that shot. Yep. Um, so I was pretty fortunate. Uh, the previous ABM in, in Las Vegas, I was the outgoing chair of the Emerging Leaders Membership Council. I was, I, I was great. It was a great run. I had a lot of fun. I met a lot of great people. Um, ELMC was really, really great to me. And I, I, I'm happy I was able to give something back to it. Um, Fast forward a couple of weeks after Las Vegas, I'm sitting at home having breakfast and I get a call from some of the folks in the region. And they said, hey, we'd really like to talk to you about possibly running for the board. And I said, who? Who's running for the board? But, um, you know, the, the region got together and they said, you know, we really like to put up somebody as a candidate and we've seen you active because if I start something, I want to do it right. I don't want to do it half half cheap, so to speak. And um, so I got active in the state chapter prior to that. I was actually started the Northern Maine chapter. Um, I got active in the region, uh, New England building officials, Eastern states, et cetera. Um, so th there was support there. And I said, if, if, if I'm the face you guys want to put up there for some reason, okay. And, but if I said, if I do it, I want to do it right. And this is a, you know, even running for the board in itself is a part-time job, if not close to full-time as anyone who's run a few folks on this call, I can, I'm sure can attest to. Um, it's a daily thing. I mean, there's phone calls, there's Zoom meetings. I mean, COVID, honestly, I think changed the game a little bit for a lot of stuff because, yeah. I mean, small town Holden, Maine guy was able to queue in with the Napa Valley, California code officials and just introduce myself and say hi. And, you know, you guys have much better scenery than I do. Um, <laughs> so that, that, was a, that was a big thing. Making the choice to do it really boiled down to a couple very simple things. Could I do it justice? I felt I could because I can bring a perspective that I think the board could use. Not that I'm going to, I'm not saying I'm going to change the board or change the organization or change the world, but I can offer that perspective. Did I have support at home? Uh, my wife, actually her first ABM was Las Vegas. Um, she saw all the great folks that I talk about and she could finally put uh, faces to names. Um, she saw how supportive it was and she said, go for it. Wow. And my jurisdiction. Um, as we've covered before in this discussion, I've, I wear a few hats for my, my town. Um, thankfully, I have I would put my staff against anybody else in the state of the country. They are crackerjack. They can pitch in. They can do some amazing stuff. Um, it's just it's, it really makes a difference for us because that gave me the the incentive, the support, and honestly, a big kick in the butt on ambition to take the shot because it's a it's a scary thing taking that risk because you pour a lot into probably six or seven months to come down to, I don't know, we, I think it came down to 10 minutes maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I will say during that, that 10 minute period, do not lock your knees <laughs> when you're standing up there. Yeah. You pass out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and it's, um, you know, just watching the, you know, the different people from all over the country and say, Hey, you know, I, I support this guy or I support that guy. It, it was just amazing to watch, you know, it's, uh, and, you know, I saw several, I guess, uh, several, you know, like kind of like, I would say vote off. So I don't, I don't know how to say it, but, you know, kind of showdowns or whatever, but, you know, end of the day, I think it was a very, very interesting process. Um, you realize how diverse our ICC board is, um, you know, you, you get to, you get to experience all that and, you know, now that you're on the board, what are some of the, you know, what are some some of the things that you're actively working on or looking to promote or, you know, what are things that you're involved in that you're really kind of like, hey, you know what, uh, maybe more people should pay attention to this. Yep. So, I mean, some of the things I'm involved in, I mean, obviously, as a, as a, as a joke, a freshman congressman, um, you know, you get committee appointments, you get uh, jurisdictional regional appointments and things that you liaison to, like, Last night on on the phone with Colorado, I mean, it was my 9.30, 10 o'clock is when I got off the phone, I think. But, um, you know, getting out to meet the members, answer any questions they may have, um, you know, just trying to be that liaison. Um, I got appointed this year to uh, the CEO Evaluation Committee, as well as Council Policy Review Committee um, and Awards uh, Committee this year. Mm -hmm. So 
I'm sinking my teeth into that and trying to provide what I can. Um, you know, from my own perspective, we looked at a, a few different council policies for certain reasons. But again, I'm going to go through every single one. And I sent a nice list to the attorney to say, you know, I know I'm, I'm pretty sure we did this already, but we missed a couple of spots on gender neutrality, uh, chairman versus chairperson, things like that. Um, I do have a little attention to detail, but that comes from my financial background. When I have to present a $9 million budget, I need to account for every dollar. So <laughs> that's what I'm hoping I can, my my responsibility, I think, feel I can be strong in um, what I bring to the board in that regard. And the election was really, really special this year. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, there are no bad candidates, I honestly don't think. If anybody's willing to step up and run for the board, it's because they have people behind them supporting them to do it. And running from the floor is a very, I'm going to call it a unique thing, but it seems to happen at least one AB, every ABM. But um, if your supporters put you there, you have to go to the end. Regardless of what happens, go to the end. Because they put a lot of faith and time in you. They've earned it. They deserve it. So. No, I, I agree. Just hearing the, the different uh, different perspectives from the different you know the different uh, chapters. It, it was it was pretty. Um, I wouldn't say intense because it, it, I wasn't you. I wasn't locking my knees. But the other side of that light, it's intense. <laughs> no, I, I would say because you even feel the intensity in some of the people talking because they're like, "Hey, this is our guy," or "This is our guy," and, and you're sitting there, you're like, "Wow, you know these people, these folks really, really want their candidate," because you know you're representing a certain part of the nation, you know. I mean, you're, you're, you know, at large, but you know, yeah. overall, you're, exactly. You're, exactly. I mean, I, somebody asked me who I represent. I represent the membership of ICC. Yeah. And, and you know, and cool. even now, you know, going into like, you know, when we say we going into the digital age, I mean, you know, I've hopped on a couple of calls where I see different board members here and there, or, and, and it's just amazing. Like, you know, coming up, you know, when, you know, when I was using this thing, you never saw, you you wouldn't ever had the chance to communicate with your board members. You just see them on a you know on a newsletter or on a brochure. Now they're more active, they're more in your face, and we bring them on here because we want to hear from them. You know, so we're gonna have Jack on our show in a couple weeks. Uh, you know, talk about the process of getting ready for an ICC run. You yep. know, and and it's it, you know you you've done it, so you know how stressful it is. But oh, we yeah. want somebody's perspective of what they're dealing with today. Yep, you know? it's it's no small task. It's a it's 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 a hundred percent or nothing. That's it. Wow. Yeah, but uh, no, it's it's and it's worth every minute because the relationships I mean, you build and the people you meet, and you know when you get the opportunity to be in person, the hands you shake. Um, but you did mention you know seeing the board of directors on this call and that call. We you know pre COVID we really didn't. I'll be the first to admit I, if there's a call I can hop on even if I'm just listening and multitasking doing plans review or you know, going over budget stuff or looking at, you know, pricing out paving costs per ton, which was yesterday's. Um, if you can multitask, why not? And at least if you hear something, you can you can chime in or if somebody has a question. I, I will admit I have been asked. I have asked once or twice to repeat the question, which I should listen better. But I try. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could always be like me and butt in once in a while. I concur. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> Awesome. Um, yeah. So Rachel still, I know Rachel still has a ton of questions because I see her squirming over there. <laughs> what you got, Rachel? No, no. I just, I mean, it's it's special to have you on today, like we talked about, you know, getting to meet you in person and, um, you know, having you stare at our ceiling last night as our liaison in our hey, meeting. It was a nice ceiling. <laughs> yeah, our camera functionality uh, pointed a little bit up. So, um, you know, I think that that's really special and really powerful that you are able to come on and have even if it is just a tidbit of information to add or listening intently um, while you're micro or multitasking, you know, it's it's important. And you took on this role and I, I commend you for that because it, it is important. If I'm the liaison to a chapter, to a state, to a region, what have you, if, as my career goes on, if I can, if you have a meeting, it's my duty to be there. Um, I can't make everyone depending on life, life happens, but um, you know, that was easy. And I appreciate Colorado being able to facilitate that link so I can do it. I don't mind staying up to 10 o'clock at night. Dog was asleep at my feet, worked out well. Um, you know, it's, it's a little stuff like that. Because otherwise, pre-COVID, pre would that have been an option? And I might have made it out to one or two meetings throughout the whole year. But right. this way, I mean, you guys meet every other month. 
yeah, I, I'm happy to make the time. Right. Especially exactly. that time of night because that's cool down. That's relaxed. I've had dinner. I'm not missing dinner for a school board meeting. It's great. <laughs> Being able to put that face to the name is really helpful, especially for someone like me. Um, mm -hmm. So you had touched on the COVID, and I think we need to give our listeners exactly what they want to hear. Tell us about the beard, <laughs> Mr. Ben. Uh, yeah. So standing joke, just before COVID started, uh, my wife went through some uh, she had open heart surgery for the second time. And the standing joke was I stopped shaving when she went in just to make sure that you know everything went well. I don't know. Totally mental, but hey, you, you do things when you're in love. So um, she came out flying colors, shaved the beard, and she said, you know, I kind of like it. And I was like, well, okay, I'll grow back. <laughs> uh, she's not as thrilled as how long it's getting, but I think it's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's still, so it kind of evolved when COVID hit. Um, the map the with the mask mandates and everything else i did wear a mask i was compliant um, i even sent my staff home for like a month which you know i i'm the one that came to work and when you can bring your dog to work and there's nobody else here everybody else coming back to work was kind of like huh well, you can work remotely more but um yeah it was just nice it was my little covid protest and uh thankfully you know we went to war so covid's over now i think but we'll see so That's we'll awesome. see <laughs> Something I did else not, happened in the world. No, I, I did not curl the mustache today like I did yesterday, though. That's a lot of work in the morning. So so it's actually something that you do then? Occasionally, <laughs> I will do. A... Um, my, my mentor uh, showed up in my office one day when he retired, and he had the curled mustache. And I said, I can't let that go unanswered. <laughs> nope. So awesome. we did have a good photo together yesterday. The curled mustache is at the state house with the legislature receiving the recognition for the 50 years. And it's uh, it's a photo we will both treasure. So That's that awesome. <laughs> It's awesome that, that you have some fun with it. You know, you need to have that, especially with all the hats that you wear. You got to have a little bit of fun. You, you, we're all human. I mean, we're you know, there's some goofy stuff we all do that some people are going to go, what is wrong with him? And as long as it's my wife saying that, I'm good. <laughs> so, you know, you, you keep it light, you keep it fun, and, you know, you, you keep it human. Because yeah. the things that we deal with on a daily basis are to help prevent folks from getting hurt, folks from living a better, cleaner, more sustainable lifestyle. Can we do that in everything we do? Yes, we actually can. Um, one of the sales pitches that I make is I get a lot of calls from town managers as serving as a town manager code official. I got this new code code, code person. They're telling me this. Is that real? Can I? Can he actually? Can they actually do that? Yeah, yeah, they can. And here's why they're doing that. But wrap your head around this for a second. You don't like code. Okay, great. That's the bad guy and everything else. You like taxes. You like a sustainable tax base. If you build a house to code and a house not to code, which one do you think is going to be there in 50 years that you can still tax? It's a reality. It, it's, it's your fiscal responsibility, if nothing else, to provide for the future. And that does it. And it doesn't take much to do it. It really doesn't. It's just uh, reality is the building permit inspection is the cheapest insurance you're ever going to buy. Because if you catch it on the front end, you're saving tenfold in the back end. If you have to have somebody, you know, somebody's pouring a nine foot wall unbalanced backfill height and there's one stick of rebar at the top and they pour concrete, co code official didn't see it. Well, somebody might say, well, it's already done. Oh, well. Somebody might make you rip it out and you find the one stick in the next couple of years, that wall's going to start. And how much more expensive is it going to be when you get a house on top of it? There's right. a right way and a wrong way to do things. And that's, that's why I feel we're here just to make sure it gets done right. It's not hard, but it takes a little time. It does. It takes a little time, but it's worth it in the long run, right? Every minute. Um, I'm not sure if I should say minute, though, because I, one thing I, my mentor did instill in me, if you're not five minutes early, your 10 minutes late. So make your time count. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Good mentor you have there. Stu's taught me a few things and a few things you probably shouldn't have, but. <laughs> so, Ben, we don't get that many town managers on the show. I mean, we I'm get sure. them here and there. But, but, you know what? One of the things that I want to, you know, want to ask uh, town managers, like, you know, when you are hiring your new building inspectors or code, uh, what, are you, what are you looking for? The balance of common sense. I will back anybody who is following the letter of the law to the nth degree without fail but I want to see you offer me an option. Whenever I interview anyone, whether it be fire, highway, police, code, etc., I use what I call the old lady Kravitz routine. And um, last one I did was highway. So we're out on the, on the dirt road, replacing old lady Kravitz's uh, culvert. 
little lady Kravitz comes out hollering to him, what are you doing? You're messing up my lawn. I can't believe you're wasting taxpayer dollars. How do you respond to that? Honestly, that question gets you a better read on who somebody is and how they're going to react to it than anything else. Some folks have actually gone right and say, well, I'm going to explain to her that this is right and this is wrong and she doesn't know and this. I said, <laughs> hold on. And some people say, well, if I'm the employee, it's my job to call the supervisor. I'm going to pass, I'm going to pass the buck. That's a great answer. <laughs> Not that I'm, you know, anybody future hires don't watch this video. But um, it's just knowing how to work with people. And that's the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. Your customer can read your code book just as good as you can. That's reality. Or if they're really smart, they get digital code premium and they hit control F and they can find anything they want. <laughs> <laughs> Little shameless plug there. I love that that program. Yeah. Um, it saves me hours of research now. It's great. <laughs> right. So, you know, and, and this is one of the things, the reason I asked that question is, you know, um, in, in the world of code enforcement, you know, that we always talk about giving people options and working with people because we're there, we're public servants. We're there to serve them. You know, we're, they're not always going to be right. We're, I'm, you know, I have this thing. We're not into customer, customer, uh, what do you call it? The customer's always right. It's, you know, the customer, customer needs to, you know, make sure they follow the rules. <laughs> but we do it in a way where we give them options. We give them, we make them part of the process, you know, and when you do that and you work with people, it lessens your, um, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, the, the safety factor, you know, because people are generally mad when you go to them and say, hey, you need to do this. Well, you know what? The better way is like, hey, this came to our attention and now we're letting you know what, what's going on. And here's some options for you to comply. And how do we work with you? How much time do you need? Like, you know, talking to people, you get a, you get a lot of response. Mm -hmm. you, it's amazing what a conversation can do. And, and we 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 we're exposed to all kinds of different concerns and relationships, and and this is coming from a guy who has shut down two churches in his career so far. There is no worse thing. Thank you. See, I'm not alone. Um, you know, when when things just aren't going right, somebody has to say, okay, we gotta we gotta we gotta come back to to center here. We we gotta understand why this is wrong. But having those conversations, um, not a month ago, I showed up on a work site there was a there was a full band and service and everything going on in a construction site oh boy the windows were sealed their the front door was a four by eight sheet of plywood being moved left to right and the only thing i could say is this is the closest to a station nightclub fire my career has ever come because you got a hundred and 112 people in an in an in a construction site so unfortunately, it was a church being built, um, and that brings a whole other PR nightmare, which we have to wear that hat as well. Because if you make that decision, you need to own it, you need to sell it, and you need to justify it. Right. And thankfully, you you just have that calm demeanor, and you explain these are the concerns, this is the reason why, and those folks are fantastic. That place was shut down inside of ten minutes. We spent longer getting vehicles out of the parking lot, but. It's little stuff like that that you'd be part of. Your reality is you, you hit the nail on the head. You're a public servant. You're part of the community. Yep. I'm not a big fan of the servant word, but you're part of the community and you help folks. That's what we're here for. We're here to be a resource. Mm -hmm. And here's one thing, Ben, because people don't realize that, you know, and this is more focused on code enforcement and the code. And when you use the building code, it's a lot more efficient in those settings than using the zoning code. Because mm -hmm. when you talk about land use and you're like, hey, you can't have a church here. No, you're telling people you can't, you can't, uh, can't have a church saying, period. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you're saying, you know, hey, this is unsafe for right. you and the people here. It's a whole different conversation. So have you ever heard of the Religious Land Use and Institutionalized Persons Act? Yes, I've been, our lupa. <laughs> first, first test case in the United States right here. Oh, wow. Uh, ch church wanted to expand in a zone they were not actually allowed in. However, we did allow assembly occupancy within that zone. Our zoning ordinance was out of date. They did not challenge to the Zoning Board of Appeals. However, the Department of Justice did show up in my office the next day, and I had to supply every assembly occupancy permit the city had ever issued in its history. And I sent about 12 to 15 banker boxes to D.C. and waited six months to hear, ah, you're all set. Don't worry about it. And that's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's an acronym I'll never forget. <laughs> what, I what I tell folks, you know what, when it comes to those type of land uses, assembly uses like that, I've always worked with the building code. I, yeah. I have to because you know what? 
you can challenge a zoning code yep. a lot easier than you can challenge a building code because I'm yeah. like, you know what? Uh, I'll see you in Rochester. <laughs> yeah, but, but those those relationships make such a difference because even using the zoning code in the same municipality as in prior, um, another church, a pastor had his, uh, his his mobile home parked out front. Well, zoning code didn't allow for it. I knocked on his door and I think, oh, great, here I go again. Great big hug and thank you. I've been waiting for somebody to tell me to move that. So every once in a while, it does it does work to the benefit. So sure. that's that having that good communication skills and treating people with respect and and actually now that that pastor is my neighbor. Um, I help out at the church with uh, some youth leadership stuff and actually help them on uh, mergers and acquisitions in their own backyard because they're looking to build a new church and they need a building official to look over some plans. <laughs> We have an awesome comment from Mr. Jack Applegate. Ben is doing a great job. We are fortunate Ben works so hard and works for the members. Fun interview. It was great to learn more about you and your city. Have a great day, all. I'm off to another meeting. It was a pleasure having you on, sir. Appreciate that. So, Ben, I have last question for you um, before we wrap it up. But so do you see yourself doing this for the rest of your life? You know, as we talked oh, about, yeah. you are the youngest one in the room. Um, so what do you want to be when you grow up or have you already gotten oh. there? Um, so the standing joke my wife and I have, um, her grandmother has a camp down in what's called Big Lake Township. It just okay. got a name. It used to be like TP 142. Um, I would love to be the plumbing inspector of Big Lake Township one day. And if your plumbing inspection gets in the way of my fishing, you're waiting. <laughs> <laughs> but to be entirely honest, one of the reasons I ran for the board in the first place was if I was successful. Um, and if I am successful in my next board run, because you can do two consecutive terms, I'll at that point, I'll be 39. Um, so I will have had board service. I can be that mentor. I can help carry on that institutional knowledge to learn from the Jim Browns of the world, who is my personal board mentor and um, just carry that. Because if we, if we lose the history of what we've done, we're doomed to repeat it. Why waste time and money if we don't have to? Right. And we have some really energetic folks and really passionate folks that just want to be pointed in the right direction. If we can help with that, the entire organization, the entire membership is going to be better for it. Yeah, it really is. It really yeah. is. And I love how interconnected we are. You know, you said, hi, Jim Brown and, and hi, Mr. Brown. You know, we missed you here at the Colorado ABM this year. Hopefully you're coming back this coming year. Uh, but we just do. We have such a great um, intricate web of individuals and professionals and industry leaders here. It's it's pretty exciting to be a part of it. So well, just on this call, you had, you know, Jack's running this year. You cash cash chimed in, Jim chimed. I mean, that's a lot of great folks that, you know, we all work so well together. You never know where you're going to bump into somebody you don't know. You know. Right, right. You, you know, and, and this this organization is, what, 70,000 members? So, I mean, we're knocking on the door. <laughs> so we're we're pretty interconnected, you know, and, and it's funny how I can reach out to somebody in Maine and talk to them. You know, and so Mr. Jim Brown says, are you buying? <laughs> if you're coming, if you're yeah. coming. <laughs> if Jim shows up, absolutely. <laughs> no, that's awesome. You bet. You no, bet. But like I said, you have a lot of great folks. You know, like you mentioned Carla. I reached out to Carla to set up a chapter in California, the first code enforcement chapter. Uh, she helped us out tremendously. And, you know, and she goes, hey, why don't you talk to this guy? Or, or you know, Susan Dowdy, super connector. Have you ever met her? She oh, yeah. knows everybody. She was like, Pete, you need to connect with this person. You need to connect with Maddie over here. You need to connect with Liz over here. You need to that's, connect with that's, a, that's the one thing I know I'd be remiss, and I was hoping to squeeze in. I know I've got two minutes left. I don't think anybody can say enough about the staff of ICC. Yeah. I mean, it, without them, I mean, last night, you know, Rich Anderson and, and uh, Rachel were getting me the link, and yesterday morning I was on a Zoom call with Billy Nash. Uh, yesterday, I was referencing the GR report from Steve Jones, which is kind of a standing joke among some of the GR reps. I get like six GR reports, so it's always kind of a competition to see who gets to me first. Um, and I will give Dottie, uh, New York slash Florida credit. She's usually first. Sorry, Steve. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. And there is another piece of interconnectivity that we all share. And if we get stuck in an airport, it's always Steve Jones's fault. Yeah. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, we also have Steve Jones coming on sooner or later. I know oh, he, he agreed to it, so <laughs> I'm holding up to him. 
So. That's awesome. So like always with everything, you know, whether it's being at an ABM, whether it's being at a board meeting or just at another um, event, you know, it's sharing your time with somebody or this industry is something that you'll never give back. Um, you won't ever get that time back. And so we appreciate you. We appreciate yeah, you taking I'm, the time today. I'm happy to because every minute is worthwhhile, whether it's a conversation in the hallway or a Zoom call or a phone call or a text message. Yeah. That's what it's all about. That's that's helping one another. I mean, I learned that very early on when I was part of the emerging leaders and I was running up against the code thing. I was in the field. Surprisingly, we don't have the best service in Maine, so I couldn't get the uh, the app to go. I called Andre in Colorado and said, I know you know this. In three seconds, he had the chaptered verse for me so I could say, this is why you can't do that. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, Love it. That, that makes a huge difference. And I'm happy to be part of it. I'm really, I'm really honored the members spoke when they did in Pittsburgh and put me up on the dais and I am going to bust my butt to make sure that I don't let them down. I certainly think you're on your way there and already are. So (laughs) wonderful. Well, Ben, it was an absolute pleasure having you on with us today. We are out of time, so we are going to say goodbye. However, thank you very much with everything you know this is a resource for all of us you know we are always here we are always able to be connected with um, if anyone needs anything um, you've got all of us well thanks for joining us today you guys make it worth it thank you thank you you. thanks everybody on the call for joining us as well and thank you pete all right bye thank you everybody have a wonderful friday all right so last comment there you go interesting (laughs) it's jennifer morris thank you so much we love you jennifer